Welcome to the I Am Persuaded podcast with Travis Shelton. Our desire is to provide weekly encouragement and biblical truths so that you too can be persuaded that He is able. Thanks for joining us on this episode. Now, let's hear what Pastor Travis has to say. Welcome back to the I Am Persuaded podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to the episodes and thank you just for giving feedback and encouragement to the ones that you listen to. And so for the past couple of weeks, we've been in a series that I've entitled Walk, and it's a burden and a prayer that I had for the youth group at Beulah. And so I thought it was fitting for all Christians of all ages, and so that's what we're sharing here on the podcast. We'll begin looking at Ephesians chapter 4, uh, last episode, and so today we're going to pick right back up in Ephesians chapter 4. We will skip down and begin in verse 17. I believe we left off in verse... Uh, 7 or 8 last time, and so we will pick up in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 4. And so in Ephesians chapter 4, just to kind of recap, um, the words Paul uses here are very very practical for us in nature. And so we as a Christian, when we read Ephesians chapters 4, 5, and 6, that is how the world should see Jesus in us. I mentioned that last episode. And they're very practical for our daily walk with the Lord. So the passage we're going to look at in this episode is practically showing you as a Christian how you should not live. And then it kind of gives us a contrast as to what the believer or the wayward Christian's walk would look like in their daily life. And then what the believer's walk actually looks like. And so I have around seven or so different thoughts from this passage tonight that we'll look at uh, just really briefly. The first thing I want to pull out from Ephesians chapter 4 is you do not walk as the lost. You do not walk as the lost. Listen to what verse 17 says of Ephesians chapter 4. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling hath given themselves over unto lasciviousness, to the work of all uncleanness with greediness, But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him, and ye have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So the first thought from these verses is do not walk as the lost. Paul starts off this section of scripture with a very clear directive. Paul, who is writing originally to this church at Ephesus, and as we understand Scripture properly, it is a vital aspect for us keeping Scripture in context to understand the writer and his intended purpose. And so that means in this book, Paul is writing to a church and he's writing to believers, those who have placed their faith in Jesus. Paul has been here on a journey and probably witnessed a lot of them place their faith in Jesus. Now, it has been some time since he had been with them, and he had most likely heard reports of how they had been living and how they were not showing their faith to those around us. So he writes one of the greatest letters in all of Scripture, Ephesians, one of my favorite books in the whole Bible, just because of how it unveils what we have in Jesus, then how we live it out. And then he begins by telling these saved, born-again Christians, do not walk as an unbeliever. He backs up his claim by saying, I testify or insist by the Lord, you should not do this. If Paul is insisting, this should not be a part of a Christian's life. And he backs it up with, hey, the Lord agrees with me. We better listen to what Paul is saying in these verses. So in other words, Paul is saying, do not walk 
like you used to walk. Do not walk like your previous self. So you might ask, how did I used to walk? Well, listen to verse 18 again. Actually, verse 17 and 18, Paul says this, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. And so Paul in verse 18 says, You walked in sin. You walked in separation from God. And that is because sin had your heart and mind blinded to the truth and from Scripture. Then in verse 19, Paul says, in the past, these unsaved people have given their life over to lasciviousness. That's filth and literal trash. And so here Paul's main point throughout this section of scripture is, if I walk with the world, I cannot walk with God. If I walk with the world and take part in the things of the world, I cannot walk with God. If you're still living like you used to live, you cannot walk with God as you should. Too many times, this is the summary of the Christian lifestyle. Yeah, I'm saved. I have believed on Jesus, but sin still rules my life. Every time I'm tempted with sin, I give into it. My life does not bear marks of that of a Christian. Listen, you are walking and playing with the sins of this world. You cannot walk with God. It is impossible. If you are tampering with, if you are currently walking like you used to walk before you met Jesus, you cannot grow. You cannot have a consistent and daily walk with Jesus. It's not possible scripturally. Too many Christians attempt to have that, you know, the old saying, they attempt to have their cake and eat it too. And so Christians cannot have both. You either live for God or you live for the world. And too many Christians are so concerned with living for the world, having their sin, having their fun, it seems, but they forget their own mission for Jesus Christ. Second thing I want to point out is for us to consider our lifestyle, for us to consider our lifestyle. Paul, throughout this passage, was simply wanting his readers to reflect on their current lifestyle, to see if it looked like Jesus in verses 1 through 5, which we covered in the last episode or to see if it looked like the world, which is what he gave the picture of in verses 17 through 19. And so verse 20 says this of Ephesians chapter 4, But ye have not so learned Christ. Paul says you have not so learned Christ. In fact, Paul says if you live like an unbeliever, ask yourself, Have I truly accepted Christ Jesus as my personal Savior? Now Paul and I are not trying to talk you out of your salvation. I would never attempt to do that, and that's not Paul's heart here in Ephesians chapter 4. But Paul is saying, if you have accepted him as your Savior, your life ought to be a beacon of light for him, and you ought to be walking in who he is, not of who the world is or who you used to be or, or how your life used to be before you met Jesus, but you ought to be walking in Jesus. Then verse 22, it says this, that you put off concerning former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. So Paul says, if you have believed on Jesus, then you have become a new person. We discussed you being a new creature a few weeks ago in one of the episodes. But Paul wants to bring it up again. It's important to Paul that believers understand who they are after Jesus. And remember that when we believed on Jesus, that our old nature was nailed to the cross with him and his sacrifice. And when he was raised to walk in newness of life, we too were raised to walk 
in a new life. Remember how he worded that in Colossians chapter 2? Our old man was nailed to the cross and we are made new in Christ Jesus. That means we have laid aside walking for the world and we have put on walking for Jesus. You see verse 23, you can listen to it. It says, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And so Paul says here in verse 23 and 24, simply meaning we are to be made new. We are not made originally in Christ because of our sin nature. But remember when we place our faith in Jesus, all of the blessings that we have in Ephesians chapter 1 through 3 of who we are. Now we are to live it out and let the world see Christ in us as he dwells inside of us. But how can we let the world see Christ in us if we are living for the world? The world's going to see the world in us, so they can't. Paul's illustration here is too many saved Christians go back, pick up their old clothes, put them back on after being saved and receiving their new clothes. I was reading a book the other day uh, from a professor, I believe, at Southeastern Seminary here in Raleigh. And uh, he said he was adopting some children from the Ukraine, adopting four, actually, from the Ukraine. And when they went to pick up their child for the last time to fly him back home to the States, he was wearing old clothes that had a smell about them. They hadn't been washed. And so before they boarded the airplane, they said, here, take these clothes, put them on, and leave your old ones behind. And so what that child did is he took those old clothes, he put them in the trash there where he used to live and the way he used to be, and he put on those new clothes to come home to America and start his new life with his new family. You see, when we received Christ, we received salvation. And in that moment, we were adopted by God, Ephesians chapter 1 tells us. We receive in that moment new clothes that represents who we are now. Living and walking with God means that we are to represent him. We are to have new desires that represent and uplift his holiness and righteousness. Verse 24 says, in fact, And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. And so if you find yourself in this rut or pattern of walking in your old man and then not walking in the new man Christ has called you to be, what needs to take place is simply a renewal of your mind. You need to take your mind back to the time and the place when you placed your faith in Jesus as Savior. And when you do that, when you remember the new man, the new desires, and the godly desires, you start to put away the person that you used to be. You put away the old man, and you live in the new man that Christ has called you to be. Now Paul's going to give some contrast, and really he's contrasting here. You either live in the world or you live in Christ. And so let us analyze in the next few minutes of this podcast, let us analyze our lives and see which one we're walking in. And so Paul says that in verse 25, we are to replace lying with truthfulness. We're to replace lying with with truthfulness. Verse 25 says, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And so verse 25, it says that we are to put on truthfulness and do away with lying. If you remember back to last episode, in verse 2, we looked at a long list of characteristics of Jesus and how we are to have those same characteristics in our daily Christian life. Part of who we used to be was a liar. 
Our life was filled with trying to get out of sin and we would lie in circumstances to get our way and to get through different scenarios of life. And you, if we say we're not a liar, we call God a liar because we all have told lies in our life. And a true marker of someone who is living for the world and not for God is someone that is constantly filled with lies. If you see someone who is not saved, they will make no bones about telling a lie. It's second nature to them. So they can get out of a circumstance. They can get out of a situation. They're very quick to lie to get their way. But someone who is truly of Christ, they will be a beacon for truth. They will seek to do what is right and to tell what is truthful in every circumstance. You look at the life of Jesus. Was he a liar or was he truthful? Obviously, Jesus and everything he was about, everything he did, and everything that he said was truth. In fact, he is truth. And so when we live our life in a lie, we are not walking as a Christian ought to walk. When we lie constantly, how do we expect to live and walk in Christ? We can't. It's impossible because in Jesus dwells all truth. And in Satan dwells all lies. In fact, Scripture says he's the father or the Greek word, the originator of lies. Think back to the Garden of Eden. Satan told Eve the fruit. Uh, it's appealing. It's what you want. And then he took God's words and he twisted it and says, oh, you won't die. You won't die. God, you'll actually become like God. So what he did in the garden is he lied to Eve to seduce her and to make her think back on what God had said and make her think that Satan was telling the truth there in that moment. And so thinking about your walk today, is your life about truth or are you okay with and often tell lies to others? Are you a beacon for truth? Are you constantly sharing truth and sharing truth on social media, in your life, to your family, from scripture, or are you constantly living out a lie? Second thing we see here is we are to replace anger with righteousness. We're to replace anger with righteousness. Verse 26 and 27 says, Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither, neither give place to the devil. And so Paul says in verse 26 and 27, We are to be people who does not spout off in anger toward others. When we do so, once again, we are giving place to the devil, such as when we lie, and he loves it when a Christian blows off or blows their top. And too many times I'll get on Facebook and see two people who claim to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior, and they are duking it out over something ridiculous in front of the world to see. And so listen, our lives as Christians are not to be consumed with fights and with angers and with quarrels against other people. And too many times I'm guilty of this and a lot of believers are. If we're not careful and attentive in our walk with Jesus, we're very quick to give place to anger too much and let little things set us off. But we're not called to live and walk in anger. We're called to live and walk in gentleness and meekness like Jesus but again, not all anger, scripturally, to, to preface this, not all anger is bad anger. What is a good anger then? I heard it put like this one time. Righteous anger is when you get mad and don't cuss. Now, that's not true at all because you can still show the world 
through anger uh, with, without using a cuss word. And so you can still live like the world in anger without saying something you should not say necessarily. And so that quote is not true. Don't go say, hey, I heard this and this is the greatest quote. No, that's not true. So what is righteous anger? Well, Jesus showed righteous anger when he flipped the tables in the synagogue. Why and what was Jesus mad about? Sin. He was mad about sin. So what do you and I have the right to be mad and angry over? Sin in our life that wants to take us further from Jesus. When we realize that sin ruins our relationship with Jesus, we ought to be mad about sin. We ought to grieve over sin. James actually calls us that we are to mourn over our sin like we are to mourn over the loss of a loved one. Then we see going on in this passage, we are to replace corrupt talk with encouragement. We're to replace corrupt talking with encouragement. Look on in the in the passage. It says, Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing that which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And so this is one of the markers of the world that I feel a lot of Christians struggle with, and that is the tongue or the speech. We talked about lying, but that is the way we use our words. Many Christians struggle with being able to keep their speech strictly encouragement. And so what is in question here about your speech? That could be cussing, it could be gossip, it could be slander, it could be hate speech, it could be degrading someone, it could be so many things. But too many Christians live their life without their words in check, without their tongue bridled, is how the Bible calls it. But what does Paul say we are to replace our corrupt talk with? Encouragement. The true marker of a Christian who is walking the Christian walk, walking in Christ, is one who lifts people up with their words and not one that tears someone down. So ask yourself today, if you're riding in the car, if you're walking or you're uh, sitting on the couch drinking a cup of coffee, ask yourself, is my life more about speaking negative about someone or to someone? Or is it about proclaiming the name of Jesus and speaking encouragement to those around me? It doesn't take us long to go to work or go to school or go to our family till we find someone who is discouraged and in need of encouragement. And that's where you come in. As a follower of Jesus, you should be a well that is overflowing with encouragement to those around you. Then look what happens when you allow corrupt speech in your life. Listen to what verse 30 said. Verse 30 says, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And so Paul says that when we give place to lying, when we give place to corrupt talk, when we give place to all of these markers of the world, we're going to grieve the Holy Spirit who lives on the inside of you. When you are speaking corruption and gossiping about others, the spirit that dwells on the inside of you, he hurts because he is all truth and he is the source of our encouragement. See, when Paul says that the Christians ought to do something, we ought to walk in Christ, it's a command. It's a command that we are to walk in Jesus and put on Christ's likeness. And so that means, believer, the way you talk, it should edify. The way you talk, it should exemplify Christ. The way you talk, it should lead others closer in their personal walk with Jesus than it should push them away 
from their personal walk with Jesus. And so Paul says we are to put away evil speech and bitterness. And it seems that many Christians, young and old alike, are the ones that say the most about people around them and the ones that use the most vulgar talk when we are called to put that away and to lift up others. We are called to be ye kind one to another. And so a true marker of a Christian is what? It's live like you're saved, walk in your new desires, put away lying, put away anger, put away theft, put away corrupt speech, put away bitterness, and replace those with Christ-like characteristics because then you are modeling Jesus in your daily walk. And the last thing we'll look at is a walking Christian forgives. A walking Christian forgives. You can listen as I read the last few verses. It says in verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. And so I believe a lot of times in the Christian faith, we understand that we are forgiven, but we don't understand the command given in the New Testament that we are to forgive also. And so one that is walking in Christ forgives others. That is how we're called to live. A lot of times someone who wrongs us, and listen, I know it happens. It might be a friend at school. It might be an ex-boyfriend or a girlfriend. It might be a husband, a wife, a family member. Someone's hurt you bad and you feel that. And it's, it's valid to feel the pain for your hurt. But when we're wronged, what is our usual response? Is it to lie about them? get angry and cuss and fuss at them, steal their joy and steal what they, the joy they have and steal our joy even, speak negative and slander to them and gossip about them behind their back. Listen, if that's your response, you're walking in the world and not in Jesus. So what would Jesus's response be? Forgive them. Forgive them over and over and over again. Why? Because look at the last part of the verse. Last part of verse 32, it says this, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So why is it an imperative that we forgive as Christians? Because Christ has forgiven us. God, through Jesus, has forgiven you of a lot more than what you're attempting to forgive that person for right now. We have sinned and been so wicked and yet he forgives us anyway. Every time we fail, every, every time we wrong him, he forgives us. A Christian that is truly walking in Jesus Christ is a Christian that forgives like Jesus Christ. So when we're walking like Jesus, we're forgiving like Jesus. So ask yourself, does my life right now look like the world or does it look like Jesus? Do you exemplify truth? and encouragement and do you show true forgiveness to those around you listen i hope these episodes are being an encouragement to you as we un, as we discover through scripture what it actually means to walk the christian walk You've got a lot of christians who have been saved numerous years and they've never learned what it truly means scripturally to walk in jesus and so my prayers through these simple practical uh, podcast episodes that you would walk away understanding what it means for you as a believer at work, as a believer at home, as a believer at school, what it means to walk in Jesus and how you can show him through your daily conduct to everybody you come in contact with. I'm praying for you. And as always, have a great Friday. 
and God bless. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of the I Am Persuaded podcast, please consider subscribing and share with your friends. We pray this is a blessing in your life. God bless.